You know what we're going to do tonight? I'd like for um, you to turn to 1 Timothy, actually 2 Timothy. We're going to look at 2 Timothy 3.16. And um, uh, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you've been following the news and what's happening and so forth, there was Tim Tebow mania. Anybody heard of Tim Tebow mania? This uh, uh, professional football player who was very... Uh, uh, adamant about his faith. In fact, when he won the national championship as a college player, he had 316 on his cheeks, uh, letting it know uh, the importance of the message of John 316. And then uh, uh, it, I heard that the, the playoff game that they won against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Denver Broncos won, and um, the number 316 appeared all through the stat sheet, and everybody was like, wow, that's amazing. And um, of course, John 3.16 is an important passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 is an interesting Scripture too. It says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And then 2 Timothy 3.16. That's where we're going to look. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God or it is breathed by God. And this is what I want to do. We have just uh, tonight and then next week uh, in our midweek service before we transition to our life groups. But I want to uh, go back to the basics just for a little bit right now and share with you how to explain to somebody using the Word of God why it's important for them to repent of their sins, to be water baptized in Jesus' name, and to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I know some of you, this may be like, oh, it's old hat. I've heard this a million times. But I think from time to time, we need to be reminded about what is the most important thing. And uh, uh, I saw where somebody uh, said this the other day, and I thought it was very interesting. They said, a church's number one priority has to be evangelism. If evangelism is not the highest priority, then it's not a church. It's just a group of people intrigued by religion. Amen. And so we've got to remember what our role and our responsibility and our job is, is to help people see the light of truth in Scripture and completely give their life to Jesus Christ and be filled with the Spirit, be water baptized, get, repent and turn away from their life of sin and let God transform their life. So we're going to go through the Scriptures verse by verse and uh, we're going to look at the Gospels of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the Acts of the Apostles and the epistles, which are uh, the letters that were written by the apostles to the churches that will start, the churches that were started that we read about in the book of Acts. And the inspiration for kind of the outline for this can be found in a Bible study called Into His Marvelous Light. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but it's a great Bible study that you could teach somebody in one hour about how they need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your word and your presence and your blessings. Pray, Lord God, that you bless our time together, Jesus. Anoint it, let us grow, let us thrive, and let us become everything that you would have us to be, we pray, in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. 
and get your Bibles out and turn with me to the gospel according to John. Hopefully everyone understands that the gospels are the portion of the Bible, these four writings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the words and the works of Jesus Christ. And so we start with the gospels when we explain to someone how important it is to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's start with John chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Then verse 14, we'll skip down. It's the same subject. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we discover here in John that the Word which is in the beginning, God's living word was God, and God's word became flesh. So Jesus Christ is the living word of God, all right? So this is the written word of God. Jesus was the living word or expression of God. When you think of a word, you think of something that's in a mind that is expressed. Jesus was the expression of the invisible God, the invisible God made visible. Let's look at verse 11 in the same chapter. It says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So in this passage of scripture, verse 13, let's read verse 13 which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It says here of these people that believed and became the sons of God, they were born, but it wasn't a normal natural birth of blood or of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the Bible here is letting us know if we believe in this word made flesh, and we receive him, Jesus gives us the power to become the sons of God by a supernatural birth. See, it says in verse 13, born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. A supernatural birth. And he speaks further about this new birth in John chapter number 3. So skip over to John chapter 3. And we read about this new birth. One time when he was having a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Let's read it. It says, there was a man of, Fer- of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we see this same thing that was mentioned in John 1 about this new spiritual birth mentioned again. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it's coming and where it's going. So is everyone, so it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. You hear the sound or the voice of the Spirit, but you can't tell where it comes from. So the Lord told Nicodemus that everyone who wanted to see or enter the kingdom of God must be born of the water and the Spirit. Anybody that wants to see and enter the kingdom of God must be born again, more specifically born of the water and of the Spirit. Now notice what it says in verse 16. The words of Jesus of the same chapter, John 3 uh, three and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light comes into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now, notice back in verse 16. Whosoever believeth, verse 17, uh, uh, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. So the key here is, first of all, he says there's got to be a born again experience in, in the first part of three. But then it says that uh, in order to have eternal life, whosoever believes in him would have eternal life. So Jesus it seems like he mentions two different requirements for salvation. One of them is to be born again, and the other is to believe. But uh, I think you understand that in the Word of God that uh, you're not going to find contradictions, just something that you need to understand. This is not a contradiction because what we're going to read in John chapter 7 give, shows us how believing is connected to this being born again. John chapter 7 and verse 38. John 7, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So notice, he says, he that believes... Something's going to happen. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So here we discover that if we believe on him, we will receive his Spirit. Can I get an amen? We find that scriptural belief 
is more than just a change in the way that we think. It also results in a spiritual experience. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow. He was speaking of the baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Amen. So it results in this experience. Faith is what motivates us to obey, and obedience brings God's acceptance and God's blessings. Let's jump to John chapter 12. John chapter number 12. Verse 35 and 36, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not where he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. And then verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers... Also, many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried unto them and said, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Notice here, today, just as in Jesus' day, you find that there are many people who believe on him, but they will not confess him for fear of what others will do or say. But verse 44, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If anybody hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So the key here is, Jesus said, if you're afraid because of what I say, he warns that it is the word of God, the words that he has spoken that will judge us. So we must be careful not to reject the word of God, but we should believe it and we should obey it no matter what others say, no matter what others do, okay? Amen. So think about that. In the judgment day, you're not going to be judged by somebody's opinion, right? A lot of people say, well, I think this or I believe this. Well, in reality, there's a judgment day coming. That's what the Bible says. I know we don't like to hear about it, but that's what the Bible says. And we will be judged according to the word of God. That's our judge and jury. And so Jesus is saying, be careful. Don't reject the word of God. Because that's what will judge you. John chapter 17, verse number 17 through 20. It says, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. These, this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples just before his crucifixion. He says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so also have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. I want you to notice two times. It talks about, first of all, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And it also says, uh, 
um, that, uh, that they might be sanctified through the truth. So as Jesus is praying here for his disciples, he said God's word is truth. And he also prayed for us and all those that would believe on him through the apostles' word. So the word of God is the truth. And uh, then the Great Commission is in Luke chapter number 24 and verse 45. So if we can turn to Luke just a few pages before. Verse number 24, starting at verse 45. This is right after Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and then rose out of the tomb. And right before he ascended into heaven, right at that time, he said in verse number 24, I'm sorry, 45 of chapter 24, he said, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Amen. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Amen. So the question now is, Jesus Christ gave his disciples a message to preach. The message was, repentance and remission of sins would be preached in the name of Jesus, in his name, among all nations. And uh, then he said, that wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. So did the disciples or the apostles do what Jesus told them to do, and how was the promise of the Father fulfilled. We find this out when we get into the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So we're going to skip over to the book of Acts. Just so you understand, the Gospels are the story of the life of Jesus before he ascended into the heavens. The book of Acts is about the birth and the growth of the church after Jesus ascended to the heavens, returned, in, in essence, to, the fa- to his father. That was the beginning of, basically, the, the church. And so the Acts of the Apostles is the history of the church, how the church was born, what took place. So we begin in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 5, and we're going to discover immediately what this promise of the Father is. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days thence. So right when we get into the book of Acts, immediately we discover that the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. 
this is the promise of the Father. And we discover it immediately. Then in Acts chapter 2, we read about how it happened. Verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the words to speak. So they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men out of every nation. When this was noised abroad, when they found out what was happening, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? But now we hear every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and all the parts of Libya around Cyrene, and the strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they're, what is going on here? Because all of these people are from Galilee, but we hear them speaking in all these different languages. All of us from all these different places hear them speaking in our languages and telling the wonderful works of God. Verse 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. They're just drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit Upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So we just read the account of that when the apostles were at Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, they, waiting in the upper room as Jesus had instructed them, together with others, a total group of 120, they were joyously filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other Tongues, as the Spirit gave them the inspiration to speak or the utterance. The onlookers who were amazed, they were from many nations, and when they heard them speaking, they said, what does this mean? And Peter explained the promised coming of the Spirit, and then he went on to preach Jesus Christ and the original apostolic plan of salvation, which we see at the end of this message here, beginning in verse 36. Therefore, Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus who was crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So all these people who came and were mocking and asking, What meaneth this? How do we hear all these languages? 
Some people said they're drunk. After Peter preached the message of Jesus, they said, okay, guys, they were pricked in their heart. That means emotionally something happened. Some of them were emotionally taken back. Some of them may have had tears running down their face as they heard the story of Jesus. What do we do? In verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the people who heard Peter's message about Jesus, and they believed that Jesus was the Lord, they were sorry for their sins and asked Peter and the apostles, what should we do? And Peter's reply that we just read to you was the message Jesus commanded to be preached in Luke 24. Remember Luke 24, what we just said? Repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name. So the apostles who were sitting there before Jesus ascended and heard Jesus tell them to go preach repentance and remission of sins through the name of Jesus Christ. What did they do? Well, a few days later, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, the Apostle Peter gave them the exact same instructions that Jesus had given the apostles. That is, that they should repent of their sins, that they should receive remission of their sins through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And baptism in Jesus' name was for the remission or washing away of sins. And thirdly, that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter said, repent, be baptized in water for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus. And thirdly, that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look now at some examples of other people being born again of the water and the Spirit just like the word Jesus gave his apostles was preached then through the book of Acts. But I want you to notice this also. In Acts 2 and 38, the commandment to repent, be water baptized, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This, these two new birth requirements of baptism in water and baptism in spirit are the same things that were mentioned in John 3, 5. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, a man must be born of the water and the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Born of the water, born of the spirit. Well, born of the water must be baptized in water in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Born of the spirit, baptized in the spirit. The amazing thing, you go back through the whole Bible, you see this parallel of water baptism, spirit baptism, all the way back to when the... the uh, um, uh, Children of Israel were baptized in the Red Sea, and then they were baptized in the cloud. It's the water and the Spirit being foreshadowed in the Old Testament. So let's go to jump, jump to Acts chapter 8, because there are some people who say that uh, when they experienced joy, or when they believed in Jesus, or maybe when they were baptized in the water, that they were automatically filled with the Holy Ghost. But let's see what the Bible says, because the Bible is the one that matters. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5 says, When Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which 
Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed, and many were uh, many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy in the city. And then verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, believing that the name of Jesus Christ had power to remit their sins. They were water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So they sent Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. It says, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. The Holy Ghost had fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. From what I just read, before they received the Holy Ghost, did they have great joy? There was great joy in the city, verse 8. Did they believe in Jesus Christ? Were they baptized in Jesus' name? Did they receive the Holy Ghost as a separate and distinct experience? from believing and feeling joy and being water baptized. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate and a unique experience from believing and accepting the message and feeling the joy of the Lord and being water baptized. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is just the word, okay, guys? This is just the word. Acts chapter 10, Peter preached to the Gentiles. Because some people believe that being religious and going to church and calling yourself a Christian is enough. Or that spirit baptism, evidenced by tongues, was only for the day of Pentecost. If the Bible says it's true, then that's true. But if the Word shows us through this experience of Cornelius in Acts 10 that this is not true, then it's not true. Let's look and see. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, so he was religious, and one that feared God with all his house. He wasn't just going through the motions of religion, he really believed, which gave much alms to the people, helped poor people, and prayed to God always. Verse 5. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He will tell you what thou oughtest to do. He will tell you what you're supposed to do. And then in verse 44 of the same chapter. So, so let me just fill in the blanks here. Cornelius is a devout man. He prays a lot. He gives alms to people. He's a, godly, he's a godly man. But he hasn't heard the message of the new birth experience, the kingdom of God that you enter into through the new birth. 
You enter into the kingdom of this world through your natural birth. You enter the kingdom of God through the new birth. He hadn't heard this yet. An angel appeared to him, said, send for Peter. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. In the meantime, an angel gives a vision to Peter. It's a, Acts chapter 10 is amazing. Because here's the key. At that point, Peter and all the Jews thought this new birth kingdom of God thing was only for Jews. That's what they thought. They thought it was God, uh, God's plan for this to be for the Hebrew people. But Peter had said, this promise unto you, your children, all them that are far off. In other words, they weren't a part of the Hebrew family. So, so this is the amazing thing. God had to supernaturally convert Peter's way of thinking from the idea that the kingdom of God was only a Jewish thing to the fact that the kingdom of God was a universal thing for all men by a vision that came on a housetop while he was sitting up there taking a snooze. And then God caused this encounter of Cornelius, a righteous man who was good but didn't have the truth yet, with Peter, who had the truth. And there they meet together, and that's where we are at verse 44. Peter comes to their house as he's beckoned, because right when Peter came down from that vision, there's the man at the door. He said, I don't know what the deal is, but my boss told me to come get you and bring you to tell us what we ought to do to be saved, because uh, an angel appeared to him or something. And Peter's like, oh, He's probably shocked at that point at what God is doing. It's a marvelous, supernatural, spiritual thing. So he followed them to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius' whole household is gathered together. said, tell us what we ought to do. Verse 44 is the end of Peter telling the message of Jesus. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Verse 47, or 46, I'm sorry. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So the questions from this story, was Cornelius a righteous man? Was he a religious man? Did God have more for him to do? Are you getting it? Did God have more for him to do? Even though he was a very religious man. Did they receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues after the day of Pentecost? Yeah, this is sometime after the day of Pentecost. Did they still have to be baptized in Jesus' name? Amen. And here's another thing that we see. Is that. The order of water baptism and spirit baptism doesn't have to be distinct. It can be inverted. So they were baptized with a promise that you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in water, baptized in spirit. Here they were baptized in the spirit. And then they said he commanded them to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Also in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul, the apostle Paul, preaching to disciples of John the Baptist. 
These were people who were followers of John the Baptist before John was beheaded. And Paul came in contact with them in Ephesus. And, and it's important as we read this to think about this. Many people who are believers have not even heard about the Holy Ghost that is promised to them. Some of you, before you were filled with the Holy Ghost, were Christians or Catholic or uh, some kind of Christian upbringing. And you've, a lot of you have been to church since you were little and never heard that you could be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Many people like that. Also, some people say that it's not necessary to be baptized or rebaptized. If you were baptized by John the Baptist, you probably would think it's not necessary to be rebaptized using a different baptismal formula. Others say it doesn't matter what's spoken when you're baptized. If the Bible says it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. But what if the Bible shows us that it does matter? Look at Acts 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So Paul finds these disciples of John. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that thou should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. All the men were about 12. So they were believers, but had they heard or received the Holy Ghost? Did those who were baptized by John the Baptist need to be rebaptized in Jesus' name? Absolutely. Was receiving the Holy Ghost accompanied by the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues? Amen. So what we find is that in the book of Acts, the apostles preached this salvation message. They preached about the life of Jesus Christ, about his death, burial, and resurrection. They preached about repentance toward God and belief, faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Baptism by water, baptism in water by immersion in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, which was accompanied by the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. So now we're going to read what the apostles had to say about the message of salvation that was proclaimed in the book of Acts. And we do this by reading the epistles, which were letters written to the new converts by the apostles. So when we read these epistles, we notice how strongly the apostles felt about the gospel or the good news of salvation. 
That's not because they were being judgmental. It's because they knew the word that Jesus had given them to proclaim was going to be the thing that judged humanity. Jesus gave us the word. Jesus spoke the word. said, these are the words that you will be tried or judged by. So what did Peter say? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. It says ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Verse 23. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, in other words, not a human body birth, but of incorruptible by the word of God, the seed that produced the root out of dry ground that we heard about on Sunday. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word which the God, which by the gospel is preached unto you notice this the word of god purifies our souls the word of god is the seed that produces new birth amen i don't have to get x-rated here but we all know that it takes a seed to have a natural birth it takes a seed for there to be a spiritual birth. And the seed is the living word of God. The, the, the flower fadeth and uh, uh, the grass withereth, but the word of God will stand and endure forever. This is the word that produces new birth. This is the word that will judge us as well someday. It's the word of God. Amen. Now here's, the, here's why this is so important. Are you guys getting this point? It's important. Because Peter says something in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. What if you don't believe the word or respond to it or obey it? Acts chapter, uh, 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. Well, look at what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. What is the end of them that obey not the gospel and let the gospel prosper and thrive in their hearts? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord will be revealed from heaven. So it is eternally important 
to obey the gospel. This is not like a, oh yeah, I like that sample of religion or oh, I like this flavor of religion. This is life or death, judgment, eternity type information. The gospel, the truth. Oh, Lord, help me. This is what we're here for. To preach the same message that the apostles preached. To preach the same message that Jesus told them to preach. You're lost, but the only way you can be saved is by repentance and remission of sins through the name of Jesus Christ. Being born of the water and born of the Spirit. This is a new kingdom. And you get into this kingdom by being born again. You don't join. You don't pay money. You don't sign a roster. You are born of the water and of the Spirit. And then you are able to become a part of the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So that means it doesn't matter what color you are, what language you speak, or how much money that you have, or how old or how young you are. You could be 70 years of age and still be born again. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now what's happening in the church world. Here's what's happening in the church world. Doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine doesn't matter. Just believe on Jesus. Be kind to your neighbor. Love one another. Be good and Christian in your character and actions. But I want to tell you, the Bible says that we will be judged by the word of God, judged by the words of Jesus, and we must obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And share, share the gospel with people. Amen. And, and then in uh, 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7. And we're almost finished here. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 7, it says, Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. There is only one gospel. Amen. Let's see what James has to say in James chapter number 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. It says, Wherefore lay apart, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Come on now. The seed is the word. The word is able to save your soul. The seed of the word is what brings you to that point of new birth, the spirit baptism. Amen. Hallelujah. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth 
what manner of man that he was. I want to tell you that the word is able to save your soul, but it only saves your soul when you apply it and when you do it and when you respond to it and when you say, okay, whatever it says, I will do it. Amen. And James says when we see something, we need to do as we look into the mirror of the word, we should do it. Now, with what we have heard, we should ask, what is the conclusion? What should we do with what we have heard? Do you believe the word of God is true and will judge us? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? Do you believe it is necessary to repent by determining to turn away from your sin and giving your life completely to God? Do you believe that water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is the biblical way to be baptized? Do you believe that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for you today, and when you receive it, you will speak in other tongues, just as they did in the Bible? If you believe that, amen, then it's time for you to respond and receive, and you can enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I've been born again. And I wasn't born of the flesh. And it wasn't a work that I did. It was a work of God. His word got into my heart and started bringing about a change. It changed the way that I think. It changed, come on now, it changed the way that I act. It changed my appetites. That's the power of the word. But the greatest thing that the word ever did to you was bring you to the point where new birth would happen. And you were born of the water baptized in Jesus name you are born of the spirit baptized in the spirit I want to share with you this is the identity of life church we are a apostolic church should I say in my proper English an apostolic church a church that's built on the foundational doctrine of the prophets and the apostles the message that they preached in Acts is the same message that, they, that we preach. The message that Peter preached and the message that Paul preached is the same message that we preached. There is a new kingdom. There is a new establishment. It is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a building. Come on, somebody. It's not, it's not land. It's not buses. It's not jobs. What it is is a kingdom that is spiritual. There's only one way to get into this kingdom. The word when it's taught, the word when it's preached begins to stir up your heart. Every one of you that were baptized in Jesus' name weren't baptized because you thought the water looked good. You were baptized. Come on now. I know some people got baptized in a creek where the water was cold. And some people got baptized in the ocean. And some people got baptized in a baptismal tank that was freezing cold. And you were shaking when you were in the bath. You didn't get in there so you could get washed off and get clean. You got in there because something began to stir in your spirit that says, I need to obey the word of God. That's the seed. That's what produces change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to share with you that it's our responsible responsibility as members of the body of Christ to internalize this and share it with somebody. Because there's too many people in the world today that are sweet, nice people, but they haven't been born again because they haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it's our job. Amen. It's our responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, uh, a few weeks ago, went to uh, Brother Ben's brother's funeral, Brother Oscar Ben, who visited church here. And um, 
I was reading through the uh, uh, brochure that they gave out that kind of had the obituary in there and then the story of his life. And I was reading through, and it said, such and such a date, Oscar was baptized in Jesus' name and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then such and such a date, his wife was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Named all the children, said all of them were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today that this is what I want my family tree to look like. No, it's not just a religious ritual. It's about the new birth experience. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the supernatural element of it. If it was just, okay, do A, B, and C. I need you to go down and bend over an altar and moan for a few minutes. Then I need you to go splash in the water and we'll dunk you under and say a name. And then you're saved. Then it would be religious ritual. But the key element is faith. Because if you don't believe that when you repent of your sins, that God is going to forgive your sins, then you're just wasting breath. Because it takes faith to appropriate the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus can wash your sins away, then you're just having fun in the tank for a few minutes. And here comes the test. If you believe the word of God, then you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God given the other. Is there anybody believes that this message is for everybody? It's for your children. It's for the drug addict. It's for the religious person. It's for the person who's far from God. It's for the person who's about to go through a divorce. It's for the person who's struggling with disease and sickness. The gospel is for everyone. And Life Church, this is our responsibility. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet and praise the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to sing that old song before we leave. It's an old doctrinal song. That's one thing I've noticed is the old songs had more doctrine in them than the new ones do. Amen. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I think it's important for our young people, our children, to be able to quote the verses of Scripture about what we believe and have it in their heart. Amen. And, and as pastors, my responsibility to remind you. And uh, I, I look forward and, and long for the day when we have Bible studies happening every night of the week at Life Church. You say, what about life groups? Life groups still need to happen. Amen. We need to be committed to fellowship and, and uh, uh, the breaking of bread from house to house, continuing the apostles' doctrine. But here's what a Bible study is. Guess what it is? It's seed. It's seed. The Bible says not every ground is going to be good ground. But you don't get discouraged and quit sowing. Amen. I imagine, Sister uh, Elizabeth, there's people you've shared the gospel with that rejected it probably. Did you quit then? You didn't quit. Why? Sowing seed. Come on now. Because there's going to be some good ground there along the way. Hallelujah. Sow the gospel seed. 
the song, uh, Shauna, is uh, I've Got the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that one? Amen. I've got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says, I've got that Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says, well, I've been to the water and I've been baptized. My soul got happy and I'm satisfied. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Just like the Bible, just like the Bible, just like the Bible says, I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says, I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says, well, I've been to the water and I've been baptized. My soul got happy and I'm satisfied. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Just like the Bible, just like the Bible, just like the Bible says. All right now. When we used to sing this, about the third time we'd sing it, somebody'd start getting blessed as they started thinking about what Jesus had done for them and how he had turned their life around and put his Holy Spirit on the inside. And you'd see somebody begin to move and something would begin to move and people would begin to realize this thing is real. I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible says. Oh, I've got that Holy Ghost down in my soul just like the bible says well i've been to the water and i've been baptized my soul got happy and i'm satisfied i wouldn't take nothing for my journey now just like the bible just like the bible just like the Bible says. Hallelujah, 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 Lord, hallelujah, 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 praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Then another song we used to sing, I got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Amen. I got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. So the way I used to walk, I don't walk that way anymore. And the way that I used to talk, I don't talk that way anymore. Can anybody remember the way you are before you were born again of the water and the Spirit? That's why we rejoice in this house, because there's been a change in my life. No man gets the credit, but God gets the credit because it's His Holy Spirit that made me a new creature in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I want you to shake about five hands. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, I want you to say, I've got the Holy Ghost. 
If you don't have the Holy Ghost, say, I'm getting ready to get the Holy Ghost. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.